Did you ever wake up and realize how did I overcome so much in my life? Well, yes, I have and I am so grateful for it. Every day that goes by, I have learned that life is about growth. The more you grow, the more success you will have. In this podcast, I interview women that have battled against the unthinkable and have found the power within to succeed through it. Join me in my journey as I share these amazing stories of women rising above it all. Hello, today I have our guest. She's joining us from Sydney, Australia. She is the author of two books and soon a third. One of her books called The Darkest Shade of Pale is a best-selling South African memoir about life during the oppression. In her writing, Debo, she tells the story of her determination to rise above her earlier life of inequality and injustice. I want to welcome to Daryl to the power within for courageous women. Welcome. How are you doing today, Beryl? Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm very excited to be with you. Um, as you know, it's it's very early hours of the morning um, in Sydney, Australia. So. I'm still, hopefully I'll, I'll be awake <laughs> to, to carry on the interview. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. We couldn't get our schedules right. <laughs> but we will get it. We will get it right the next time. I promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's great. It's, it's, it's around 4.30 a.m. here. So, yeah. And um, for me, it's 12.30 in the afternoon. So I do, oh, wow. ap- I do apologize yeah. for the early wake-up call. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Well, Beryl, yeah. um, can you tell us a little bit about your background um, and what inspired you to start um, that book? Yeah, sure. Um, I grew up in, in South Africa. I was born in Cape Town, South Africa. And um, born right into uh, what into a, a system called apartheid, which is um, you know like living under oppression. So because of my um, multiracial background, I was um, classified as non-white or coloured in South Africa, and that gave me um, you know that sort of put me in the category of a second-class citizen. And so, um, you know, we lived under white rule and um, my mixed heritage really um, shaped my life. That's, my life was shaped by the government and um, my second class citizen relegated me to um, living in poorer areas, getting inferior education and, you know, just so many things. We, we grew up in segregation. So um, in the 1980s, we decided to leave and, and move to Australia, you know, to, to escape um, oppression. We moved to Australia. And um, so I've been living here since the mid-1980s. And so life, you know, was, became very different for us. Suddenly there were no signs on benches and no signs on trains or beaches or any of those things. We, we had, in a sense, you know, f- um, freedom. Freedom, right. Freedom, yeah, yeah from, from racism and discrimination or, or legislated racism. I mean, there's racism everywhere, but we were free, um, you know, from 
what was legislated in South Africa um, that I'd be a second class citizen. And suddenly this whole new world opened up, up for us and we, um, you know, we've been living in Australia ever since. But in growing up um, in South Africa, I dreamed about being a writer. And, you know, my parents at the time said, like, what's a writer? That's not a real job. Be a, you know, become a teacher or a nurse or something like that. And, and, but I always dreamed about writing and about, you know, writing books. So um, I'm, I'm one of those people, quirky people that, you know, always record everything in diaries and journals. And um, so eventually I um, decided to write this book about growing up in South Africa. The, my real reason for writing the book is I wanted to have um, a record, like a legacy for our, our family here in Australia so that they would, our future generations would know where we come from, why we're here, you know, just have some sort of history um, because we are like the pioneers of our family coming to Australia, setting of up course. a new branch. And so that was my, yeah, yeah. We, um, you know, I wanted that, that kind of record for future generations. Um, so the book um, actually became, you know, some other writers warned me about this and, and said that, you know, am I prepared for what's involved in unearthing all these stories and trauma and, you know, of, of the way we grew up and all those things that, that are there, that are buried there. And I, I thought, I'm so ready for this. I'm in my power. I can, I can do this. You know, this is a dream. This is what I always wanted. And so, you know, I, I wrote the book. It, it was traumatic at times. It was uncomfortable. Um, sometimes in writing, you know, that book, I had to walk away from, the, from my writing. Because the, memor um, the memories would yeah, come back. Yeah, some of the memories, some of the memories about, you know, growing up during that time, uh, the everyday humiliations we experienced, um, I didn't know until I was in high school, really, that there was anything wrong. I thought that life that was mapped out for us was normal. Normal. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that, you know, just behind those bushes over across the railway line, white children were living privileged lives. They, I had no idea because we were sick. We, you know, we were segregated and we didn't have to leave our area because everything was there, schools, shops, churches. Um, so my life was, was really um, very shallow, very limited in where we lived. I, um, I came from a really um, poor township where, um, you know, parents struggled to educate us and to keep us, you know, having a certain standard of living. But I was oblivious to that. I thought this was normal. This is my life, you know. And um, it wasn't until I went to college, really, went to high school and then, you know, went to college that you start learning more about what's happening, what apartheid is, 
that, you know, we have to sit in that carriage on the train because it says non-white. And so you, you're allowed to sit there or you can sit on that bench because it's got the sign that says uh, you can sit there or you can stand here or you can use that entrance or it's only then, of course, that things start making sense. So, you know, it's like an epiphany happened at, at some stage, like when I was at college thinking, this is our life. This is how we, we trapped in this toxic life, you know, Injustice. And, mm-hmm. yeah. And, uh, what I thought was normal is, is not normal. It's, it's abnormal. Um, what they are doing to you is wrong. Um, but you know, of course we were so brainwashed in a sense that that was good enough for you. So just accept it and just, you know, live that way. Um, Of course, in our home, my father would, you know, often say these things. He would say to us, you know, you are just as good as everyone else. And you, you know, um, just be conscious of that, that no one is better than you. But of course, as soon as you step outside your door, but in society, right. You know, it's um, it told you other. It, it tells you, you a, a different, different story. It tells mm-hmm. you're not you're not good enough. You're not the same. You're not like us. Um, and no matter how you you know how how much that was instilled in you, the law said a different thing. And um, so we decided eventually. My older sister was the first one to leave, and she she was adamant. She's not, you know having children in that country even she's you know and so she came to australia first and and we followed a few years later um and so we settled you know in australia and left that life in a sense behind yeah so right so now you mentioned before i'm sorry no so that's how that book came about a darker shade of pale yeah so you mentioned about um, while you were writing that book, um, a different different memories and different um, emotions came about, right? Yeah. Because it brought you back. Um, can you share with us how that made you feel when you were brought back to those moments? Yep. Yeah. So so when while writing that book, I became really frustrated and angry at the life we were. Um, you know, we, the life we had to lead under oppression and how, you know, how dare those people have, you know, treated us like that and, and made us feel like that. So I got really angry at our oppressors and um, because only they had the vote in the country. So they really shaped my life. They, they had that um, privilege that they took and they shaped our lives and said, this is, this is what you will be. And we, and this is what we say you will be. And so just accept it. So I was filled very much with, you know, with anger and frustration and I wanted to lash out at someone, you know, to, um, that, that, that makes them responsible for what, yeah. But it was hard. I mean, this, you know, who, who do you lash out at? You know, it's, um, and so, yeah. So when writing that book, I, um, there was also lots of family memories. My brother 
drowned at the age of four and I was six. And so I had that memory of that, uh, you know, of his drowning as well and um, how difficult our life was and for my, for my parents. And he drowned at a, on a, uh, a church picnic. We went on a church picnic and none of us could swim. We had no, you know, we didn't have those luxuries of going right. Um, you know, for swimming lessons or, or even being in the water, we, you know, it was, would have been my first time going to, to um, a dam where we were, you know, and he drowned on that day right there. I was right there. And he, um, so, so that memory was there. And I, I, I captured all those images of, you know, when he drowned, how they tried to revive him, how, I was six and we were standing right there. So lots of those things were there that I uh, held inside of me and, I, and it just poured out into my writing. And so lots of people were, um, you know, surprised that I had these memories, that I could remember all these things. And um, so, yeah, so lots of those, you know, there were lots of different things that happened um, in the time, uh, you know, we, like job reservation and how we couldn't apply for certain jobs. We couldn't get that, you know, because you were coloured, you were only allowed to do certain jobs. There's so many things that people don't realise that that happened to us every day humiliations is what I talk about. Um, there were the big things that everybody knew. We lived in separate areas. We, we, you know, lived in, we traveled on public transport in separate carriages, but there were so many other things that, pe and I mean, I'm talking about my own experience, but lots of people experienced much worse than I did. But those were the things that we had to live with that I poured out in my writing. Um, you know, at even where I, uh, my first job, uh, you know, when I, um, I was the only non-white colored person in the office and I couldn't have my morning tea with, with the rest of the staff. I had to go downstairs and have it as a, as a non-white, I could work with them, but I couldn't socialize. I couldn't be part of the, um, part of their little group. We couldn't go to a cafe together to have coffee. Only they could go because I wasn't allowed to go in. So all those things were there that I, you know, it really angered me and saddened me in a way that that was, that was my life. You know, that's how I grew up. Um, so, yeah, that's what I, you know, I wrote about in, in the book and really um, it triggered so many memories for me. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, you know, the power of writing is, is like a, a gift, you know, um, the, the, something that I learned uh, a couple of years back was actually, I learned this when I was a kid, the power of your diary, you know, yeah. uh, uh, um, yeah. to hold to, ha especially as us girls, you know, to have your yeah. diary and that, and I did that for a while up until I was probably 16, um, I remember my first diary when I was like eight 
and I was so excited because of course it had a yeah. little lock, you know, and a key. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that, yeah. that, that stopped about when I was 16. And then again, when I was an adult, it came back the, the journaling because it's so yes. important, you know, to relate those thoughts and those ideas and those, the history of your life down on paper. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's, uh, I don't think people realize how important that is um, to write and to, to have that. Even if you're never going to write a book, um, you know, it's, it's just part of your history that can so easily be forgotten and uh, unless you've written down, you know, some treasured memories or something special that happened or, um, but uh, in my case, you know, I wanted that for our future generations because right. I'm so into ancestry. I'm very mm -hmm. much, I'm, um, because of our mixed background as well, I wanted to know everything about who our ancestors were. And so I thought this would be something for our future generations. You know, there could be someone like me that, want, that would want to know. Of course, that's a, that's a wonderful gift yeah. that you have, that you have given yeah. your future generations, Beryl. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, um, what would you say was something that got you through all of it? Through all of living there or through all, yes. all the writing? No, through no, through of, living there. Through living there, I guess, as I said, for most of the first part of my life. Um, you didn't know it. You didn't know. I didn't know any different. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, there are times that you just settle into life. You make the best of it. Um, my mother was very much a driver for that, making the best of what you have. Mm -hmm. My father was always very vocal about the injustice. So we had that mix, that sort of mixed signals, you know, my, with my mom, it was keep your head down and just keep going. Uh, get your education and that will be your ticket out of everything. And it did eventually happen the way she planned or, you know, told us that your education will get you out of South Africa and will give you opportunities in the future. And should um, the time come that apartheid is abolished, you have to be ready that you can step into, into roles. You know, it may seem bleak at the moment, but just keep on preparing yourself. And then we'd have my father on the other side saying, you know, this is not right. This is not the life. This is, you know, so. Right, right. It's, yeah, it was a very, we, we grew up in that sort of, you know, um, environment. And, and yet around us, um, people, seem to just get on with life they talk about you know the injustices when things arise but what could we do we there was nothing we could do we we couldn't fight the system that that was there they were too powerful and so you 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 know you get into that submissive mode and you just accept this is your life and just keep going so um, let's let's fast forward. You said that um, you f you finished college, and um, when your sister decided to yeah. make the move, um, yeah, you followed a couple years later. Yeah. Uh, so a big change, right? Like a three sixty. Yes. 
Yes, very big change. And of course, by the, you know, we had two children. And so for, it was really that thought that they would have a, a very different life. They would not be exposed to any of what we were exposed to. This, this would be different. And, and it, it is. I mean, they, you know, life for them, of course, is very different to what we had. And, and for ourselves, um, because we now had opp job opportunities that we didn't have. And, uh, and I jumped at, at, those, at every opportunity that, I, that was open to me um, because suddenly I had this freedom. I had, you know, this life of opportunity. And um, so I think, you know, um, for me and, and my family, you know, we took advantage of whatever was available to us and further study and, and you know, just, just, it was just a new life. It's hard to explain. People, it's only for people who have grown up under those conditions that you, you know, suddenly you're stepping into this new world where everything is equal and you are equal, you know, you are seen as an equal um, of course, there's racism everywhere. There's, you know, you find that people's attitudes, uh, you know, towards different groups will always be there, but there's no law. You, you can, it, that's the, the big difference for us is that there's no law in this country that will, you know, tell you where to live or how you should live your life. You can just live it. And right. that, yeah, that was amazing for us. That was but it, um, it, it did change, right, in South Africa? It did eventually, but we were, you know, we had left. We oh, left okay. the country. So it changed in the 90s. In 1994, mm -hmm. South Africa became, you know, a democracy and, you know, things changed for people. But we were living, you know, in, we had already, already left the country. You made the move, yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now um, tell us a little bit more um, about the other I mean, books that you are also yeah so so really the 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 first book when i writing that and unearthing that trauma and then i also became the target of of trolls you know people uh white south africans who are living abroad and living in south africa um attacked me about writing about the past and exposing what it was like and because they felt that what was happening in South Africa now post-democracy is really what's important because mm -hmm. for white South Africans hardship started in nine or that for them hardship started in 1994 when they mm -hmm. had to relinquish the power and so uh, uh, I mean, they were just as brainwashed in another way as we were because they were brainwashed into thinking that they are better than us and they had the best of everything. And suddenly they had to relinquish that and, and share it with everyone. Right. So I became um, the target of a lot of trolling and people criticizing me for reopening old wounds and, um, and, made me feel like I had no right to write about my own history. And they wanted me to talk about what was happening in South Africa now and um, how, how they are disadvantaged and how, you know, what, um, what democracy brought. And they were, you know, 
saying to me, what are you doing in Australia? You wanted freedom. Why aren't you back in South Africa? You now have freedom. And, you know, there were lots of really, really very ugly um, trolling. And, and how that, did you face that? That I, I was completely unprepared. Uh, I was naive in a sense that, you know, when I wrote this book, my, A Darker Shade of Pale, I was on such a high. It was something I dreamed about. And suddenly this, you know, these things shattered my, my confidence. It wasn't really about my writing. Most people had not even read my book. They just saw the word apartheid in the title. And, and, and the, the um, attacks were really very personal about my lineage, about not my ability as a writer or not about my book, but very personal attacks, you know, wishing me dead, wishing me ill, wishing me a life of, you know, uh, hardship. And just because I wrote about what life was like for us under their rule. Um, so that really, that affected me very, I um, became like a recluse. I couldn't even leave that, leave my home. Um, it, it be, it, that book became my, that, you know, my psychological unraveling, really. Mm. I, was, I was unprepared for, for that and, and unprepared for the memories that it evoked and mm. how everything, how that trauma just became alive and I couldn't switch it off. And, mm. and so I, I um, was forced to get help. Uh, I knew I recognized that I needed help, that my mental health was affected, mm-hmm. and um, I couldn't drive my car, I couldn't go out in public places. I feared you know all these fears just became real for me i I started you know fearing um, so many things that um, I, and i I think for me, I couldn't believe that this was happening to me. I'm so such a a strong person, and I, um, I but I, I recognized that I needed help, and I needed um, professional help mm-hmm. to help me get out of this. And so I went on this journey, on this um, healing journey, so that I could. I, I saw a clinical psychologist who was also into. Um, um, spiritual and holistic um, um, healing. And that was what I was looking for. You know, I, I found, I was so fortunate to find the right person to work with. So I had a, like a year long debrief and it was very traumatic. It was very difficult to face some of the trauma that I had unearthed and, and to face, you know, to really work through, um, what the troll, the trolling did to me, my right. the grief about losing my siblings. Um, uh, I lost three siblings, um, uh, two, you know, two while I was here in Australia, but the, my youngest memory of my brother that I carried with me for so long. And, and people, because I wrote about it in the book, there were people who questioned, where was your mother? Where was the adults when your brother drowned? Where were, you know, he was so young and why was he unattended? And I, 
I started, even started thinking that I was, that I could have done something to save him. I started thinking that I was also responsible for his, his drowning. And so there were lots of things that just became, you know, really traumatic for me. And so this healing journey became my second book. Mm. Um, and I, I wrote about this journey with this, um, this healer. I call him a healer. He's, you know, it was a, um, because we, that journey was, was, it was hard because I had to face so many things that I had buried. Um, but I needed to, I needed to do that to get, to get myself through and to, to find myself again. So this book really details that whole story. Okay. And then, um, and I believe you're also coming out with another one. Yes, my third book is is a is a sort of a, a more lighthearted. It's it's a it's it's still about you know um, settling in a new country as an immigrant and and finding your place. Um, so that book is really about a train journey and how. Um, in those early years, especially when I didn't know anyone, I had my sister who lived, you know, like 40 minutes drive away, but where I lived, I didn't know anyone. So these characters on the train and people on the train, my train journey became, you know, my way of settling into the new country and finding myself. And uh, while I didn't know anyone, these people became my friends, became the people that I, got to know over the years and I even named the characters. So <laughs> every day I'd be writing about, you know, the stories about, um, you know, just traveling and listening into people's conversations and, um, and how that fascinated me and people's accents and how they spoke. And um, so, yeah, that, that, that was a way of, um, overcoming my loneliness in a sense was attaching myself to these people unknowingly to them that you know uh i right. see being, places on being new to a country um and not knowing anybody yeah. uh, you know not knowing anything it's daunting. yeah it's daunting it's uh, and of course you have homesickness you start thinking about you know um, what it was like in your, you know, where you lived, where you knew everyone, my, our neighbors and friends and cousins, and, you know, we'd left them all behind. And yeah, we were in a place where we didn't know any, where I didn't know anyone. And I'd see people on the station that re resembled my friends or cousins, or, you know, that I'd be looking for a familiar face on the station going to the, you know, to work. And, um, so, so that's what the third book is about, really settling in, in this new place. Yeah. In a new country. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, well, Beryl, it has been lovely having you here today. Um, if you can share with our listeners where they can find you and your book as well. Yes. So, um, my new book is called Behind My Smile. Um, it's a, it's a true story of an, of an author, a broken spirit and a healer. So it's our our journey and our work um, for you know that for my recovery. Um, so that book will be available online, Amazon, Booktopia, all the online stores, Barnes and Noble, um, and at at bookstores. I'm not so sure you know which bookstores worldwide, of course, 
depending on where, uh, you know, uh, the distributors can get the book into, but right. definitely all all online. It will be available there, and um, hopefully, people will enjoy reading about um, this remarkable jo- healing journey I went on. Um, and because of my interest in you know my ancestors and how I found that power helped me to recover and and find myself. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I, I look forward to, and the release for that is when? Is the 20th of March. Excellent. So we will make yep. sure to put all this information for our listeners at, at, in the show notes. And thank you again for coming in to share with us a little bit about you and the legacy that you're going to be leaving behind for your future generations. Oh, thank you so much. I, you know, there's always so much to talk about and, you know, so I hope people get kind of, you know, get an idea of what my books are about. So thank you again for having me. They definitely will. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Power Within. If you are a courageous woman and you would like to be a guest on my show, let's connect. Also, if you like what you heard, give it a rate and review. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any weekly episode.